You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fort- fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy." And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. As David said, we're in this series on Nehemiah, and um, I'm really excited to do this series, but I'm also excited because I'm getting a lot of feedback from you, and uh, 
you're getting it. Like, you're getting what God is doing right now. And uh, some of the responses this week, one, one person came to me and said, um, hey, I think I'm understanding something. Um, you're, like, preaching a series, and God is building us, and we are the temple that God is building. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and they're like, so it really isn't. Like, I heard you, but, like, it really isn't about building a building on this property, is it? And I go, no. And they're like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to, to see this. And someone else came this week and said, okay, I know what God is doing. And I love it when people come in the door with that. You know, okay, I know what God is doing. Okay, well, tell me. Let's, let's rejoice together in the revelation. And they said, we're, we're in a ministry that God is building that is going to keep going beyond a building project. Like, this isn't like a project that has an end date. And I go, yeah. And they're like, okay, so like we're building a ministry, and it's going to be working and functioning until Jesus comes. I'm like, yes, that's it. We, that is, this is what God is doing. He's doing far more than putting us inside of a building project or, or a simple expansion. He is growing his kingdom, and he is building his kingdom through Life Church, and we get to, to cooperate with God uh, in all of that. You know, uh, One guy came during this time and, and gave me a check for $10,000 and said, this is for the, the, the project, and I'm so glad I'm here for such a time as this. And I'm like, yes. And it had nothing to do with the, the, the finances. It had to do with the reality that you are someone who's coming alive in what God is doing. Like you're, you're just awakening to what God is doing here in this season. And so these are the kind of wonderful things that God is doing in us, all right? And so let's continue to learn from Nehemiah. So at the risk of like bringing you down a little bit, I want to talk about this chapter 2 of Nehemiah. And I'm going to start out this morning by asking you a question. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? <laughs> oh, just like it gets really big, you know, like it's like you look at it and it's like this is more than I can handle, you know. I think we all do that and we all get in those places and here's the challenging piece for us. Sometimes we can get in those places and we understand why we're there. We understand how we got there. But it's different if where we are and how we got there is inside of God's bigger plan and what God is doing. And it's like when God asks us to take on something that is bigger than us and we start to feel overwhelmed by that ask of God, that's... That's a place of angst. That's a place where we really get conflicted sometimes. And sometimes that's the prime place where the enemy steps in to try to wreak havoc and starts to speak to us the things that we don't need to hear at that moment. But we start to believe them in some ways. And so we can get very overwhelmed with the things of God. Honestly, I can get overwhelmed when I think big picture with God. It's like God... The world needs to be saved. Well, I'm overwhelmed right then. Like, I'm ready to shut down at that moment, you know, because I cannot do that work of saving the world, you know. Uh, neither can you, okay? So be free, people, all right? We, we can't do that. Um, but, but we can do what God has given us to do. And even if that piece seems too big for us, 
Because sometimes just my piece of the pie seems way too big. Or I feel way ill-equipped for the job. And so I'm constantly battling in those places when I realize that I'm constantly battling with what do I do? Or what can I do? Or what am I supposed to do? Or I question so much about me in those moments and wonder if I'm even called (laughs) to these places. Are you resonating with what I'm saying to you this morning? That can happen very easily for us. We can get into those places where we don't feel adequate. We don't feel like we're capable. We, We feel like it's way bigger than what we can handle. And so the tendency is to want to withdraw or to pull back or to shut down or do all those kinds of things that will paralyze us or or bottle us up and we won't be effective for God. And that's what the enemy would love to have happen in all of our lives. And that's what the enemy would love to do in a church body of people like Life Church is to just paralyze us, just to get us to withdraw and stay this, this quiet little church uh, set back here uh, under the, the, the trees and just, we just stay there and we just exist there and we don't ever really do anything. We had a visitor over the last couple of weeks as well in the church and um, um, the couple called me yesterday and it was an interesting conversation. Um, and they had been to a class that was held here. We hosted a class here uh, a number of months ago uh, about reaching out to Muslims. And we host a number of these kind of classes. And we host perspectives and, and, and those kinds of things and 2E2 and all of those things. We, we host a lot of these things with our brothers and sisters who are in those particular ministries. As a matter of fact, some of those individuals are going to begin to office out of our church. We're going to offer them opportunity to have an office in some of our space so that they have a place to come and, and do their ministry. And we want to encourage them in that uh, that way. So we work very connected with them. And this person was actually uh, invited to come to our church by one of those parachurch leaders and said, this is a church I think you would fit in. Um, but they came here and uh, I got a call from them this week because they were just a little bit concerned. And they said, you know, we don't want to, to seem like, like we are in any way like, like critical or judging, but we just have a question for you because we were in a class in your church a few months back. And, and now now we were in your church for a worship service, and we don't remember seeing any of your people in the class that, 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 was, ta- that was being taken at your church. And so are your people just hearers, or are they doers as well? <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's a great question. You know? And I'm like, you know what? I don't think you should ask me that question. I'm very biased. I am the senior pastor. So I'm going to give you a very biased answer. Yes, our people are very invested, and they are more than hearers. They are doers, and I could give you a long list, all right? You know, I said, but no, go ask those people who sent you here, all right? Go ask them what they see Life Church doing, and you have permission to go ask any other church in the city. Like, go ask the leaders of another church what they think about Life Church. Do we have a presence? Do we make a difference? And, and the deep question for me that was coming out of that was, well, gosh, if something happened to Life Church and we just like disappeared off the map, would it matter? Would, would Sioux Falls 
feel a loss if we weren't here? Are we doing what God has called us to do? And I think that's something for us to think about, not get overwhelmed about, but, but to think about. And, and this couple's like, oh, no, we don't want to put you on the defensive. And I say, you're not. I just don't think I'm the best person to answer the question for you. I want you to get a good, valid answer from other people who are on the outside looking in and see what we do, all right? And, and, and they were like, wow. Like, I never had, like, a leader in a church offer that before. And I said, we're open. Like, we're open. So just look at us, all right? And when you look at us, just realize you're going to see the whole of us. Warts and snotty noses and everything, all right? But that's who we are. God looks at us. But he asks the same question, I think. Are you just going to be hearers? Or are you going to be doers? Are you just listening to the storyline? Or are you really jumping in? Are you really getting in there? And are you really going to be a part of this thing? And here's what I want to say to you this morning. I believe that gospel-centered expansion should revive us, not bury us. All right? It should revive us, not bury us. At the end of, of what God is doing, we should not feel as though we've been dumped in a dark hole and covered up with dirt, all right? We need to feel like that we have renewed energy that is consistently coming to us and that we are constantly being able to do what God has called us to do, all right? And, and I know that some of you, you're there, all right? And others of you, you're not there yet, all right? And, and we have all in between here. But what I'm trying to say to you today is that Regardless of what we hear about the world around us and the devastation that is out there, and regardless of what God is asking us to do, we have the ability to strengthen ourselves for the work that God has called us to do. And I think we need to find the ways to do that, all right? And so let's, let's look at Nehemiah just a little bit this morning, and then let's... let's try to take this and work with it through a number of Sundays going forward, okay? But I want to I just pose to you to think a little bit about your own life. What, what, what's a big project that you've undertaken? <laughs> have you ever undertaken a project? <laughs> have, you ever, have, you ever been, have you ever been part of something that was just bigger than you? You know, something that you knew it was going to take more than you for it to, to work or for, for it to be a success, you know? And, and how many times have you had to, to go into a project or into a, a cause or, or um, a challenge where it required you to, to get down and be nitty-gritty with other people? In other words, you had to go elbow to elbow and rub shoulder to shoulder with other people and work hard with other people. So you had to, like, die to yourself and your own preferences and your own desires and your own comfort level so that you could actually see the work accomplished. And how many times was that overwhelming for you? And how many times did you want to just say, nah, this is not for me, and walk away? Or maybe you did. I want us to look at Nehemiah today because here's a man that he just didn't walk away. He didn't let it go. He, he, did, he didn't back up for a moment. In this, in this chapter that we're in now, it says that, that obviously Nehemiah was the cupbearer, all right? 
And, and that says so much, and we alluded to that on, over the last couple of Sundays, but that says so much. This, this cupbearer, this man who actually has the responsibility for the well-being of the king. All right? He is the guard of the king's life. The reality is that if the king were in a precarious situation and death could be imminent for the king, in all likelihood, the cupbearer should die first and the king should live. And so his life, his demeanor, his way of relating with the king was very important to the king. The king would watch the cupbearer. The, the king knew that his life depended on this man and this man's uh, actions or lack of actions. And so it says that in, in that year when he was the king and the wine was before him, it says that he took up the wine and he gave it to the king. And then he makes a, a unique statement. Now, I had not been sad in the king's presence. Isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm, I, I think about myself. I think if I were a cupbearer and I had to taste everything before the king ate it or drank it, and if I knew that if it had been poisoned that I was going to die, I'd be a pretty sad guy most of the time. Like I'd have stress every, three times a day at least. You know, I'd be worried. You know, it, it, would, it would have an effect on me. But Nehemiah says, hey, I've never been sad in the presence of the king. In other words, Nehemiah obviously has a life that, where he has a great trust here. I don't think his trust is in the king. The king's not going to say, oh, Nehemiah, hey, wait, don't you let me take it first. I, I, I don't want you to have to risk your life for me. You know, let me drink the wine first. That, that is not happening, all right? So Nehemiah has to have a trust outside of this comfortable job situation that he's in that I think should have made him very, very, very filled with anxiety. <laughs> you know, but he, he's living in the palace, and he lives right by the king. He, 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 he is with the king all throughout the day and even into the night. Where, where is this man's trust? I think he was able to say, okay, this is what I'm called to do. This is my job. This is, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. And, and he trusted God for that place that he was in. And I think you and I have to do that. You and I'm, I'm talking to you in particular. I have a wonderful vocation that sometimes, unfortunately, puts me in a real bubble because I'm in here, not out there. And so I have to be intentional to get out there so I don't lose the fact that there's a real world out there. And I need to rub elbows with it once in a while so I don't forget that I am in this kind of bubble in here. But you're in that world every day, rubbing elbows with the culture and with, with unbelievers and with difficult situations and adversities out there. Now, you bring those into me. And if you all came in here on the same day all at once, I would be overwhelmed because you got some issues and you got some battles and struggles and you got stuff going on in your lives. And some of you, your marriages are tough, you know, and, and there are circumstances that T-bone you from time to time. And there's all this stuff that you're carrying and rightly so. And, and you're trying to find ways and strategies to give it to the Lord. And you're doing that. We're doing that together as the body of Christ but here's a man who says, I've never been sad in the presence of the king. And then the king says to him at that moment, he says, why is your face 
sad because he, he could see it. He could see it on his, on his countenance there, all right? Um, and, and the king makes an observation, all right? He says, now, why are you sad? Obviously, he had never seen that before, as, as Nehemiah alluded to. But then he says, you're not sick. In other words, I know you're not sick. <laughs> maybe the king was saying, you're not sick, are you? <laughs> yeah, maybe he was a little concerned in that respect. All right. But he's saying, something's, something's different here. Something has happened. Something's going on here, all right? And, and so um, the king says, this is nothing but sadness of heart. And then Nehemiah says, well, I'm, I was much afraid in that moment. And there's different reasons why he could be afraid. Part of that could be afraid of rejection because he knows that he's got to go to the king and talk to him about what he's feeling inside of him that God is, is leading him to, all right? And I think that is true of us sometimes is that as soon as God opens our heart to a burden, we can oftentimes become very fearful of what that is going to entail. What is that going to cost me? What is that going to require of me? And so fear can set in and fear can be very debilitating, all right? And Nehemiah was afraid, Four months, Nehemiah's praying. Four months, he's, he heard this word, and he became distraught, and he's carried this. He's carried this burden, all right, for four months. I don't believe that this burden was solely Nehemiah's burden. I believe that this burden is sourced out of heaven. And I don't believe that when you and I care a burden for our community and for our neighborhood, that it's just ours. I don't believe you and I just wake up and decide to be burdened by the lost in our city or the difficulties and the sinfulness of our cities and the brokenness of our cities. I believe that, that, that this kind of burden is sourced out of heaven. There, there, there is a point, I believe, where God can come in a powerful way and burden you and I for the lost to the point that we can't shake it. We can't let it go. And I honestly believe that that is where God is going with Life Church. I believe that God's intent in bringing various people into this church to serve and his intent in being able to expand this facility so it's larger and can accommodate more people and his, his uh, intentional discipleship work that he's doing in this church, I believe all of that is for the purpose of releasing his burden upon us. And I know that you have those aspects of, of faith and community and all of that that are very important to you, all right? But I'm telling you that the most important thing in the heart of God, the great burden of God, is the lost of the earth. And there's absolutely nothing else that supersedes that. And so regardless of what we do and how we reach out and, and the things that are important to each one of us along the way, the reality is that we cannot let anything supersede the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached to the people around us. As a matter of fact, we can't even let the gospel being preached over there supersede the gospel being preached right here. And so I believe that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. I believe that God is moving, but I believe that God is challenging and calling and placing a burden on Life Church that we would be the proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we would be intentional 
physically intentional in going out into our neighborhood and beyond. We got to do it. This is what God is calling us to do. And a part of that call requires us then to shift our identity. And so every one of us has to evaluate where we are in our uh, religious consumerism. All right? Because this isn't about you and I getting what we want. And this isn't about you and I having a cush life. And this isn't about it being easy for us. I don't think that Pastor Dave and I have ever like get given you like a lollipop gospel. You know, we never just like giving you uh, a, a candy that you can just enjoy. All right, that's we've never done that. But I don't know that that we've always been like super intentional to let you know that hey, guys, this isn't going to be easy. <laughs> And I think that our natural inclination, all of us, is to find the easy, happy place in our lives. And if it isn't there, to make it happen, you know? Let's spend a lot of time figuring out how we can make ourselves happy. And let's figure out some, some strategies that will make all this easier for us. And if we look at Nehemiah, this man has had a change his countenance is different. His demeanor is different. Something is going on to the point the king says, hey, what's up? What's, what's going on here? And Nehemiah's been praying for four months. Don't you know he's been saying, God, what can I do? What should I do? God, what would you do? How, how, how can, why is this like this? What, what can change? I mean, how many of you, you pray those kind of prayers where you ask a lot of questions? It's almost like you're trying to, to, to figure it out in the prayer with God, you know? And, and, you're, and you're wanting to see this change. And so you, the burden starts to come down. And it starts to rest inside of your soul. And you start to feel the heaviness of that. And that's when the enemy wants to come in and make it heavy and make it dark and make it hard. But God has a different plan for you and I, not to make it easier and not to make it more comfortable, but to strengthen you, to give you the resilience that you need to come back, to get back in there, to get back up, to do whatever it takes. Whatever the enemy has done to push you down throughout your life, there's a point in time where God says, no, let me bring you back up. David says, Lord, will you, will you not revive us again? In other words, will you not come back and give us energy again and restore us? Remember, we said Jerusalem is a city of survivors. That's the identity they have. Is we just, we're just, it's meager, and we're just doing the best we can to survive. That's who we are. We're just the survivors. We're not like those guys in the king's court, like the cupbearer that gets what they want to eat and enjoys a good life. We're, we're the survivors. But this burden has come down on this man. In these four months of prayer, he has become so burdened that it has changed him. 
And I'm telling you, God's called us to a, a spirit of prayer in Life Church, and we've been praying more than we ever have. And thank God that David can get up on a day like this and say, hey, Dehans, they're heading out, and we rejoice, and we're glad of that. He didn't tell you, but August is up and walking around a little bit. You know, August has got his lungs, you know. I mean, August is, 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 is going to probably, unless God does something different, August is going to come back home and raise his little boy and be a father to him. And that's going to be wonderful. And we rejoice in that, all right? And, and others of you have good stories to tell. But I'm telling you, if we are going to be a people of prayer and we're going to spend time in prayer, there is a burden that is going to come down on us. And it's the burden of the Lord, not your history or your past or your circumstance or whatever, all right? It is the burden of the Lord, all right? And let me ask you a question. When's the last time you felt the burden of the Lord? When's the last time you felt that heaviness hit you and suddenly you began to be concerned about others outside of yourself and you began to, to inquire of the Lord as to how, how is God going to use you to lift that burden that is from heaven? And that's where we are, Life Church. We have got to understand the burden. We've got to open our hearts and our arms to it and embrace it. And then we've got to be able to understand how we may strengthen ourselves that we may continue to carry the burden of the Lord. I'm telling you today, this walk with Jesus is not easy. Oh, I know, we're promised. We are promised. That, that if we will take our yoke and follow him, he, he will make it easy for us. He's not going to take away the difficulty. He's not going to take away the burden, though. He's not going to let you just suddenly decide that you can feel happy and give you happy medicine. He's going to give you an ability to carry the burden and to be able to be joyful and rejoice inside of that. And that burden may involve your family. That burden may involve other uh, kinds of ministry. That, that burden may involve you getting uprooted and transplanted to somewhere else, like a mission field. That, that burden can have all kinds of aspects to it. But ultimately, it is a gospel-centered burden. And whatever decisions God asks you to make and whatever direction he requires of you to follow him in, it's all going to be centered around the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so whatever God is asking us to do as a church, it has to be filtered through that reality that it must, it must support the sharing of the gospel message. And so if we build a building, we're building it for the gospel. If we don't build a building, we're still building for the gospel. And every one of us, every one of you sitting in every chair in this room, God has an intent for you to feel that burden. He has an intent for you to not only feel it, but he has an intent for you to respond to it, all right? So Nehemiah has this burden. The king notices it. It's that great. And he questions Nehemiah. Um, and, and obviously that indicates that the king knew that there had been this change. Has anyone ever seen a change in you in your spiritual walk? Those around you, have they ever seen you 
at a place where you have shifted simply because you feel the heart of God? Do you even know, have you ever known what it would be like to to rub shoulders with someone either inside or outside of your faith community, but someone where where you are called to to express yourself in such a way that you're transparent and, and people can see this burden in you? Or is it something that you're quick to cover or to shift and separate yourself from? I'm suggesting to you that I think that's part of our testimony, that's part of our witness, is that not only your friends and your spouses, but the lost in the community can see the burden that you carry, that you and I carry it in such a way that it glorifies God, and that's the key, all right? Not talking about you getting down and depressed and ugly and grumpy and mad and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about feeling that heaviness, yet moving forward and, and loving God in all of that, all right? Nehemiah presents his challenge then to the king. He says in, in, in verse 11, he says, Then I said to them, all right, now this is, this is the people. First he, he presents his challenge, all right, and, and then he speaks to the people, all right, when he gets there, all right. So he's going to Jerusalem. That's the, that's the picture we have here, okay. So he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to do this research and this evaluation of things, uh, this assessment, and then he's going to speak to the people, all right. But something happens as he's moving in that direction, all right? He speaks first to the king, and this is what he says. <laughs> oh, let the king live forever, all right? Now, this is the cupbearer. Just, just get this little picture because this is kind of cool, okay? This is the cupbearer, and he's testing everything and making sure the king's going to live. And now he's got this serious look on his face, and the king says, what's wrong? Because you're not sick. And he says, oh, let the king live forever. (laughs) In other words, let me assure you, king, this is not about you. This is not about you, all right? Let the king live forever. And then notice what he says next. He says, says, why shouldn't I be sad? Well, he says, why should not my face be sad? But why, why shouldn't I be sad? This place where my city, where I, my, my heritage, my father's graves are there. They all are now lying in ruin. The gates have been destroyed by, by fire. You know, why, why shouldn't I be sad? I want you to catch something here that happens. I should be sad. I should, I should be sad because this happens. I should be sad because that happens. I should be sad because this happened in my past. I should be sad because this always happens to me. I should be sad because I don't have this. I should be sad because I had to have this. I should be sad because I'm, I'm dealing with this. I should be sad because I'm suffering from this. And so I get to be sad. That's what we've been trained to do. That's how we've been trained to respond in our culture, is to find all the things that we can be sad about and then be sad about them, and then live in our sadness, and then continue to live in our sadness, and then find someone else who is sad and be sad with them. And then we commiserate, call it celebrate, our sadness. I know I'm going a little off there, but, but it's, that is very much how a lot of people have been conditioned to live and to stay in this type of sort of victimized state or in, in this victim identity to just stay right there 
and live there and expect someone else to make them happy. And the king looks at Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, well, I should be sad. Uh, there's all these problems and, and, and Jerusalem is ruined. And then the king looks at him and says, well, what do, you, what do you want? What are you requesting? In other words, what the king was really saying was, well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? What do you want? God never intends for you and I to stay in sad places. God never intends for you and I to be constantly overwhelmed with life. God has the answers for us. And God has given us His Spirit and promised us that we are made overcomers more than conquerors. God has given us exceedingly abundant promises for life. The Bible says we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Now, nowhere in what I've just shared with you have I said God said He would take the hard places away or that He would make it easy instead of difficult. But God has given us promises that we can hold on to so that we can live in those hard places. And that will allow, if we know that we can live in hard places, we can say yes to the hard things that God asks of us. And that's the truth that we have to live in because the enemy's going to come to you and say, oh, sorry, sweetie, but you can't do that. That'll destroy you. That'll kill you. That'll, that'll mess you up. That'll ruin you. That'll shame you. That'll do whatever to you. So you can't do that. No, that is not God. God is saying, I've given you what you need, but you and I have to decide how we are going to function inside of that gift. And what, what are we going to do? And the king says to Nehemiah, well, what are you going to do? And that opened the door for a conversation. If it pleases you, king, if I found favor in your sight, and then look what he says, you send me. You send me. I think there's a wonderful little bit of imagery right there. God, if I found sight, Jesus, if I, if I found favor in your sight, if I'm your child, Lord, then you send me. See, the devil says, you can't do this. And you know what? He's right. But what you cannot do, God can do through you. Amen. And that's where we land, is in this place of, yeah, it might be challenging. It might be tough. God might ask some hard things of me, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Therefore, I don't need to worry about not being able to do it. I need to get up and figure out what's the right strategy. And so Nehemiah says, King, you got, the, you got what I need. You got the wood. You got the people. You got the government. You got the systems. You got all this stuff in place. I just need you to send me. Because if I just go by myself, I'm not going to get it done. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own strength. But if you write a letter and, and, and melt some of that wax and stick it on that letter and put your ring in it, and I got that piece of paper, I can go. 
because you have all the resources I need. So then I can go. So you just send me. You send me. And everything's going to be all right. And notice what he says. He, he kind of listed. I need, I need to pass through over the river there, and we need trees, and, and we, the keeper of the forest needs to give me the lumber, and people have got to fell those trees and cut it up and all that kind of stuff. And Then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need timber, but I'm going to need all these other things for the, for the walls and, 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 and everything. And then notice what he said. And I need some of that stuff for my house I'm going to live in. <laughs> now, first thought might be, well, that was a little selfish, like, mm, just put it in there. I'm going to be a little bit comfortable. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Nehemiah understood this is going to be a long haul. I'm going to be at this for a while. It's going to take a long time. As a matter of fact, this is going to take so long for me to do what I need to do that I'm going to have to build a house. Well, that's, that's, that's a good way for Nehemiah to approach it. I'm going to be here as long as I have to be. Now, we're going to hear the rest of the story down the road, and 52 days later, it's done. It's done. Folks, don't worry about the end date. Don't worry about what's out there. Just live in the now of what God is calling you to do and step up, strengthen yourself in the Lord, and do what you've been given to do. And live in that place with the Lord, all right? Just stay right there because right there is where God's provision is for you and for all of us, all right? And then, I got to close here. Then, at the end of that, it says he, he, he went to Jerusalem with that letter from the king. And you can go anywhere because your king, Jesus, has given you everything you need, all right? So you just go. And then he made the assessment and he looked around, and then he gathered the people together, and he said, hey, this is, what, this is what we got. You all see the trouble we're in, all right? Let's get together. Let's build, all right? Let's build these walls that we are no longer in reproach, all right? And they said to him, let's us rise up. Let's build. And then this is the key, and it comes right back to, to where we started from. Don't get overwhelmed with what the ask is. It says, they strengthened themselves in the Lord. He said, let me tell you what this good God of ours has already done. He got me here, and I got a letter that will give us everything we need. That's how good this God is that we're serving. So let's build. And then it says, they strengthened themselves in the Lord. When King David was in a, a terrible, dire place and all of the wives and the kids had been captured and taken away, uh, all the men were upset, and it says that they were getting ready to, they were talking about it, so they were kind of getting ready to stone him. It could have been an awful moment. If that had been me, I would have probably said, you know what, this king stuff is for the birds. I'm just going to go live a normal life. You know, some of you, you, you say the same thing about ministry. This ministry piece getting in people's lives and, and sharing with them and walking with them and having to help them get sanctified and, and, and straightened out and discipled and all that. That's for the birds. I, I don't have time. I don't want to get into all of that. I'm just going to live my little life and just be my own person and just stay right there. No. They strengthened themselves for the good work. I don't know how far reaching all of this is for you and I as Life Church, but I can tell you this. God's got a big work for us to do in this community and beyond.
And for us, it's going to require us praying, receiving that burden, but then answering that call and strengthening ourselves in the Lord. And we will talk more about that. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. It's a good word, um, a challenging word for us. I'm going to invite our worship team up and the prayer team to come up, and they're going to minister to us as we close. But hey, let's not miss an opportunity here to just respond to what the Lord is speaking to us. Um, just right where you're at, uh, take a moment. What is the burden that the Holy Spirit is asking you yes, to carry? Yes. That's a big question, right? What's the burden? Some of you may feel like you built a house and you're moving in with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And God is wanting to strengthen you in it. But yes. also ask yourself this. Um, how has the enemy been trying to overwhelm you in that yes. burden? How has he been trying to intimidate you um, to get you off the course? What's, what's the thing the enemy's been doing in that? And just allow the Lord to speak to you. We're going to allow a minute here um, in a moment. But maybe you're here today and you've, you've never said yes to following Jesus. You've never started on that journey. You've never carried a burden for Jesus because you're not a Christian yet. Well, the good news today is that before you ever are asked to carry anything for Jesus, Jesus carried all of your burden. Yes. He did it. 2,000 years ago, he carried a cross up a hill on his back for you. And on that cross was your sin. And he took it and he died and he rose again from the dead three days later so that you can be whole and free. And yes, the Christian life has burdens in it that we carry together, but never without him walking alongside us and strengthening us to do it. So just give you a moment here to reflect and to, to ask the Lord, what is it that you're asking me to carry? And how's the enemy been trying to intimidate me in that? And Lord, what are you gonna do to strengthen me? I'm going to pray for you, and then the worship team is going to sing. Father, we just pray right now that you would provide supernatural strength by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for that person in here that's just been so discouraged lately in the thing that you've given them, they know it's, it's their call. They've, they know you've told them to do it, but they're so discouraged. Lord, I just pray supernatural encouragement right now in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I pray for that person that knows there's a, there's a burden, there's a thing, there's a calling there they're supposed to pick up, but they've just been fearful, Lord. The enemy's intimidated them. He's paralyzed them. Lord, would you give them the supernatural courage to pick it up and to say yes to it? Just give them the strength to say yes in Jesus' name this morning. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, now in Jesus' name.